suggested that the show was a little bit of a weird family therapy. It was an opportunity for us to get together and to talk about all the things that we should be talking about in order to have a more fulfilling and fun relationship together. But obviously, <laughs> just, what's that word? Oh, I'm sorry. sorry, I was just putting a very serious face and listening, but I was concentrating so much on being serious. A platonic relationship, on the, oh, obviously. Yes, yes, sorry, it is a fully platonic relationship. <laughs> we do have separate bedrooms. Uh, but consequently, we have quite separate lives and we hardly see each other. So this is an opportunity for us to spend some time together. And also, we did think that I could moan a lot about all the things that Oliver was doing that was uh, pissing me off. But, moving swiftly on, um, I haven't really got any gripes this week, you'll be pleased to know. Good, I should hope not. I do try my best. I worry about getting into a negative light. He does try very hard. I'm a hard worker. He is a hard worker. As a flatmate. So, um, like it shouldn't have to be that way. The next thing. <laughs> go on, go on. I've got a big speech. Are you going to introduce the theme? Come on, give me I'm doing the speech. Just give me a All the listeners, I would like to say, normally starts a lot more professionally than this. Come on, come on, let's move into your introduction. I'm doing the introduction. Okay, come on. So, the other idea for the Eddie and Oliver show is that we choose a theme for each week. And the idea is that we alternate who chooses the theme. Um, this week is, well, loosely alternate, because Oliver seems to think that I've chosen most of them, and even when it's his week, that I always sort of... Uh, I have been coerced into proper. choosing themes. Do you know, I'll tell you now... Last week, me and Ellie were talking, and it was referred to accidentally as the Ellie Harrison show, by one Ellie Harrison. What's that so I'm fighting to bring it back. It's the Ellie and Oliver show, and next week I will be presenting a theme that I have chosen uncoerced. Good. But um, the, the general rules of junior theme is that it had to be a noun or a plural noun, something that could kind of be interpreted in lots of different ways, something slightly personal, maybe something that could, yeah, be interpreted 
um, in philosophical and personal and universal terms, not that we say our stuff, <laughs> our aim's too high, um, but that you're only allowed to pick your theme after you, you've listened to the show from last week. Anyway, that involves a lot of re-listening of previous shows, <laughs> and I am actually a bit of an avid listener of the Ellie and Oliver show, which is quite embarrassing to admit. But after listening to last week's show, I decided on the theme, Inadequacies. And it's, I guess it's a bit of a downer of a theme, mm. but I think it comes from, well, it comes from lots of different uh, perspectives, I suppose. Oliver, the microphones aren't plugged in. Oh, really? Oh, it must have just plugged Hello? In. Hello? Hello? Yeah, microphones weren't plugged in at all. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> hello. Hello. Live from Glasgow. It's the Ellie and Oliver show. Alone? I think we should probably just start all over. Live from Glasgow. The Ellie and Oliver show. Live from Glasgow. Live from Glasgow. Live from Glasgow. Live from Glasgow. Hello. Uh, this is Ellie Harrison. Hi, this is Oliver Braid. Um, we're back again now. I really hope you can hear us because we had some issues with our microphones and we're not sure whether we're actually broadcasting, um, but we hope that we are. Yeah, we're really not sure. Something's gone terribly wrong today. I think it must have been... Well, let's just pretend that it is to do with the actual uh, theme that we've chosen for the week. We're deliberately trying to do something... To uh, pattern. I really, I can't check while I'm talking to the microphone. Why don't you do your introduction again? And I'll just pop into the kitchen and see how this is going. I tell you, if you're listening for the first time, it is never, ever like this. Normally we are super slick. But if this completely fucks up, we may just have to... um, We also normally don't swear. We normally don't swear, but I'm really worried that our microphones aren't working at all. So Oliver's just going to go into the kitchen. And listen, the good thing is that Culture Lab Radio are very patient with us. And uh, we've a- we actually booked an hour slot at the beginning of the year. So we're able to um, <laughs> broadcast up until one o'clock if necessary. So if these microphones aren't working, what we're going to do is just start the whole show again. And then for the podcast... Um, we're going to start the whole show again. Right, Hello. Oliver. Oliver's back. He was in the kitchen then. Oliver, shall we start a half an hour again? Listen, right? we're just going to start all over again. And we'll explain to you. We don't want you to think that we're psychopaths and we've done this all deliberately. But once we reveal the theme to you this week, you might begin to think that this whole thing has been deliberately set up. And maybe we should have run with that, actually. I suppose we are, um, you know, touting ourselves as conceptual radio in a sort of loose way. Shall shall I play the jingle? The jingle again. Come on, let's have a listen to the jingle and then you can do that lovely introduction you'd prepared. (laughs) Apologies. Hello, uh, this is Ellie Harrison. 
This is Oliver Braid, just drinking a little bit of coffee. I'm having a bit of coffee as well. Now, we've had a few technical hitches this morning. <laughs> so actually, this is our third start of this radio show. But it is um, quite appropriate, really, because the theme for today's show is inadequacies. And that's been chosen by me. Um, after reflecting on some of the previous shows, I guess re-listening re- and realising that maybe I'm not as fluent and as clever <laughs> as I should be, and quite often feeling that I'm letting myself down. So, um, what I was going to do is recap a little bit to new listeners, because this is another reason why I've been feeling a little bit inadequate. And I don't know whether you can join me on this, Oliver. It's because last week we launched the logo for the Ellie and Oliver show. It was quite a hoo-ha. We might say a bit of a promotional frenzy went on (laughs) (laughs) around the logo. Our show last week was themed identity, especially so we could launch our new radio show's identity. But we also wrote a press release for the Ellie and Oliver show, which you can download from our website. It's a beautiful press release. um, Reading all of that blatant self-promotion that we've written. But we sent it out, and we got a bit of interest. We got got a little feature on the List website, and and suddenly, suddenly I started to panic. I started to panic that we'd gone too far, and that we'd pushed the promotion too far, and that the Ellie and Oliver show wasn't, what it set out to be in the first place because it set out to be a hobby really it set out to be this fun thing that we could do every week that would just be for us and for our relationship for us to talk to each other and to catch up and to have a nice time and that it felt that suddenly we'd made it into like everything else that I do in that it's something that needs to be (laughs) promoted pushed on people and becomes work rather than fun. So I started to panic and I started to feel really inadequate because I started to feel that with all this extra attention that we had purposefully drawn to the radio show that actually I wasn't worthy of it. But I think, you know, I, I really feel like you're viewing this in the wrong way. Like the promotion that we did was about promoting the project so that we could have new experiences which would actually contribute to like not only the quality of the radio station but actually our joint experiences in life and our enjoyment of what we're doing i think that you have sort of looked at it really in kind of a cynical way like yeah we were promoting and trying to find new ways of doing things but for me that was always just about kind of getting us out there to meet other people and chat about things so that it becomes like more fun because i think maybe 52 sessions of us just sitting in our lounge Right now, it still feels really nice and fresh, but I think that there might be a time where it's good to have some outside stimulation. I think one of the problems with my feelings of inadequacy, definitely, uh, at the moment, are about feelings of sort of being too internalized, and I think it's better to um, try... Well, I suppose I'm always trying to do this, but to try and push myself out into the world a bit more to make myself feel like I'm having more interactions. I think it would make me feel a lot better about myself as a person. That's so interesting because, like, I've been writing, doing a little bit of thinking about inadequacy. Like, I mean, it was lar- it largely came from the thought of, well, generally thinking that I'm quite good at a lot of things, 
which I think is my downfall. But then when reflecting on the things that I've done, realising they're not actually quite as good as I remember them to be. Anyway, I can talk more about that in more detail later. But you saying about pushing yourself out into the world is really interesting because I think that a lot of the time our feelings of inadequacy only come when we compare ourselves to other people and it's only when you have that benchmark or somebody who's working harder, becoming more successful, somebody who's taller, better looking, like all of these things that's in your life, that makes you feel inadequate. So when, like, I know Oliver, he's not feeling very happy today and I was a bit worried about how the radio show was going to go because he was quite depressed when he woke up this morning and hopefully he'll feel better after this, but... I said to him, <laughs> very insensitive that I am, sorry, I, I'm not really, don't have much empathy, that's one of my definite inadequacies, but I just said, don't drink so much alcohol and do more exercise. Because I've drunk three beers this week. Okay, no, but I just feel... I don't know if we should talk about this on the radio, because, I, you know, my, my response to that was, like, I, I can't believe that you would use the fact that I felt sad as just another way to push your own agenda onto someone. It's not an agenda, it's... What I'm trying to say in relation to inadequacies is that you feel inadequate when looking at other people, when you're looking at other people's website, when you're looking at people on Facebook, you're saying, why, why are these people doing these exciting things? I'm not. Why am I just stuck here? When actually, you can make yourself feel happy and you can make yourself feel adequate by concentrating on you and concentrating on reading and pushing yourself and like learning new stuff and uh, I guess feeling adequate from within rather than relying on but other it, people but to, to learn from you? learn other stuff and to kind of stimulate yourself in that way. Where is that information coming from? It's coming from um, other people. Like you're learning from other people's sources. Like if you're reading a book, then you're trying to learn knowledge that other people have learned. So it's like you are sort of acknowledging your own inadequacy, even if you're trying to sort of just be really on your own and just get better at something. Because if you're trying to improve yourself, like, it's a bit of a catch-22 situation to withdraw or to go out into the world. Like, I think that it's there. Well, yeah, I mean, it is true. I guess, I guess inadequacy can be a huge motivator, and I think it has motivated me this week to actually sit down in my room and think about what I wanted to talk about because realising by re-listening to the previous ra radio shows that often I'm just completely waffling or slurring my words even or I have these facts and statistics that I want to recount which I can't properly remember and I just generally feel quite embarrassed at my performance. So I think that realising that you're actually a little inadequate can be a real motivator for trying to improve. And, yeah, we all have different ways about going about that self-improvement, but I think it is a real problem when you start bringing other people into your life who are going to make you feel bad about yourself unless that those negative feelings can be turned into a positive in some way. I think sometimes, though, the problem is that actually, like, it's really easy to think, because I do this all the time, like, if I'm in a bad mood, I think it's really easy to think that it's about other people making me feel bad. But actually, 
It's more about, and I suppose like I'm saying this right now because I'm trying to do it to myself right now, it's more about being a bit more grown up about things and sort of thinking about things that you can do personally to change those feelings of inadequacy or, you know, like so when you selected the topic, I was sure that there was something in there that I could relate to. I was pretty sure that I knew that feeling of inadequacy in the way that everyone does, but I'm pretty sure that inadequacy plays a big part in my life. But because I couldn't pin it down, what I did first was to go onto Wikipedia, because obviously that's the source of all uh, basic broadcasting knowledge. <laughs> and um, I, actually, what I would say about Wikipedia, in terms of searching for inadequacy, was that Wikipedia itself was fairly inadequate. <laughs> there's not actually a page dedicated to inadequacy on Wikipedia, whereas there's a page dedicated to lots of other feelings. But there's, there's not one at all on inadequacy. What they do have instead... They've got a page on inferiority complex. Okay, that's They've got a page on uh, avoidant personality disorder. So I did quite a lot of uh, psychological research uh, over the last week and also on object relation theory. But my favourite thing that I came up with on my research for inadequacy and one that I personally identify with a lot was this kind of... Um, this demographic of people that was identified by a guy called Brian C. Gilmartin in the 70s and 80s called Love Shyness. And he specifically focuses on heterosexual males because in his opinions, he sort of feels that females and homosexuals don't need to worry so much about being shy in romantic situations because the women and the homosexual men and the homosexual women will always find a more dominant partner to... Come an, or a more aggressive person to like deal with their love shyness, whereas he felt that right. heterosexual men, because they were traditionally in a situation of being the instigators of situations, he did like a lot of studies into um, the, the or, or kind of a study of different people that he felt suffered from love shyness, and it's oh. something that I sort of feel, and obviously these. Research was done like 30, 20, 30 years ago. So actually, I think like a lot of the stuff that he came up with about certain parties being instigators is definitely not actually true anymore. And maybe it wasn't true at the time, but it was just, you know, it seemed easier to say yeah. at that time. But um, I mean, some of the categories that he came up with for love shyness yeah. definitely rang a bell with me in terms me of inadequacy. Out, I think I might suffer from this. Well, too. apparently. A lot. the the main The main thing is that they have a difficulty in romantic assertiveness, but some oh of their God. interests often include art, swimming. <laughs> honest to God, honest to God, <laughs> art, swimming. They're often melancholic. Uh, they have a tendency to stalk people because oh they don't God. know how to express their feelings. Otherwise, they're oh very God. interested in daydreaming, fantasy, and have a tendency towards instable careers. They also have a preference towards music with emotional or escapist themes. But one of my favourite things that I found out about Love Shine, because I should give this some context, if people haven't listened before, for the last month I've been on a dating challenge where I've just been trying to find one person to go on a date with me. And I've actually miraculously failed. I thought I'd go on... Well, I've got five days left. 14th of March. 14th of March. And Oliver has to work for the next five days and I am determined that Wednesday night is the 14th of March <laughs> and he's going on a date. We're trying I'm to find determined. a date. We're looking for a date. He needs to. He needs to get out and meet somebody who's going to 
But let me let me just tell you what was suggested by Brian Siegel Martin about how to. um, No thanks, I appreciate that. What Brian what Brian Gilmartin would uh, suggest is I don't know if you've ever heard of this before a sex surrogate therapist. Have you ever heard of that? No, but I want one. It's a therapist that teaches you through the romantic stages of like love, and then is prepared also to have sex with you. Oh my god! To, but it's not a prostitute. And apparently, some of these sex surrogate therapists are married couples. They work together because the whole process is overseen by another therapist. So you're having this. Re- I mean, I think it sounds really difficult to be put as a client if you're in that situation. How would you not end up actually falling in love with your therapist yeah. and then having to have sex with this person in front of their I overseer? Th- no, I think I. It does. I think I might have seen something on telly about that mm. back in the days when I used to I watch telly. But my God, it, it does sound. Um, no, but it's just like a training program, isn't it? Yeah, it's like a training program. But I think a lot of this stuff, and I think like the longer that you don't go on dates with people, the harder it becomes. It mm-hmm. becomes a hurdle that it just, you know, I'm it, very interested. The thing is, overcome. it sounds like perhaps because I failed so spectacularly. You I haven't, haven't failed. Been, okay, no, sorry, I've still got five days. So that is naughty of me to say that. But I think the thing is, I have I have been trying, but I've just been turned down by every single person I've tried. Or people have just lost interest. Or once I accidentally stood someone up, apparently. But that's yeah. another story. No, that is not. No, but that was really bad form. That was really bad form. But I think it might be to do with love either shyness. a love shyness or a kind of avoidant personality. Because yeah. I think I do have aspects of both. Yeah, I think you do. But I think we need to play a song, Oliver. Yeah, we should play a song. Um, I'm going to choose the first song. And as I... We're, yeah, we're about ten minutes in, I think. Maybe a bit longer. Um, I am quite inadequate when it comes to music, as I was <laughs> expressing last week, that um, actually, of all the things that I have delusions of grandeur and think that I'm excellent at um, being... I made a list, actually, (laughs) if you would indulge me. Like, just generally being an artist. But I do use quite a lot of technology, the internet, like, electronics, DIY, maths, business, sport, cooking, you name it. I'm generally quite good at it. But one thing that I've always been terrible about is music, playing music mainly. And when I was young my mum like all good middle class parents sent me to music lessons and I had to do recorder and then I had to do piano and then eventually I did French horn see we all it's quite interesting that we all did the same instruments well I did I mean maybe every middle class child does but I did recorder piano and cornet oh my god honestly but I couldn't stand the taste of the brasso so I had to drop it oh no it's disgusting mine had this sort of mouldy flavour to it and then once I was carrying my French horn down the street outside of outside the school and I was probably one of the poshest girls in my whole school and anyway these I was, this French horn made a ton and these girls just chased me down the road like oh. cussing me and like really harassing me but luckily my mum was parked around the corner and I just got in the car and um left them for dust but anyway musical choice i musical choices are quite bad but i wanted to go back to the theme of diy because that is important i want and i wanted to um big up this song by one of our key supporters 
of the Ellie Anonymous show, Short Legs. Oh, Short Legs. Because this is a song that's called Short Legs. And if you listen to the lyrics, um, I'm say it's about having short legs. Because if you ever meet Short Legs, you'll see she is quite short. But in the song, she refers to people who have long legs. And, like, I think it highlights this idea of, like, feeling inadequate when you compare yourselves to people who are different or who are doing things differently. Um... But then it also really relates to the idea of turning a, posit- uh, a negative or something that you perceive as an in- inadequacy that you have into a positive. So listen to the lyrics. It's a beautiful little song. Um, and it's by Short Legs, and it's called Short Legs. Short legs with short legs, and 
the thing I like about that song is it, it really reflects on happiness. <laughs> what are you, Oliver's making a gesture. I, just, I was just a bit worried that, like, it seemed like last time when you were introducing the song by Short Legs, it's, it felt like about five minutes that you were talking about how much you loved that song, and I wasn't really expecting to come back out of it and go back into, like, another five minutes of why you love that song. All right, I won't talk about it No, anymore. it's beautiful. I know, Ellie, I know you do like it, but I'm just eager to do a bit of a big shout-out to Alan Campbell, who's a regular listener and did just text in to say that you could actually hear us for the whole ten minutes before while we mess things up. So let's pretend now that actually it was just deliberate and it was a kind of conceptual consideration to show that uh, everyone has inadequacies. It was a conceptual mistake and when we just had a little discussion during the song that we're going to make our podcast, po- podcast into the full 40 minutes or however long yeah, this is just 40 minutes. <laughs> it episodes. might be a little bit repetitive as well because we kept saying let's start again let's start again and at the beginning if the sound quality is really bad it's because the microphones weren't actually plugged in so <laughs> apologies but we are totally inadequate with our technology especially after me going on about how great I am. But that leads into a little bit of research that I wanted to uh, throw in there. And actually maybe a little shout-out to somebody who left a comment on our Mixcloud, because I didn't realise that you could leave comments on Mixcloud, but someone called Hayley, I think her name's Hayley Atler. It would be quite appropriate if I forgot that ro- got that wrong, because she was saying that the um, Ellie and Oliver show gave her a real sort of behind-the-scenes insight into understanding both of our practices a little more. Did you read her comment? It's really nice. I haven't actually checked my mix cloud for a long time, but thanks, Hayley. That is really nice. But the other thing she said is that she loved the fact that I always tried to throw in these stats or this data that I'd uh, li- heard on the radio or picked up somewhere along the way in the previous week, but then totally misremembered it or got it wrong and just kind of slurred it out as though like it was just some number. <laughs> but anyway, I'm about to do that again. <laughs> Um, I'm very inadequate at regurgitating data, but that's fine, because nobody really believes statistics anyway. But I, I think I might have mentioned I went to a talk by a really famous like philosopher and neuroscientist called Thomas Metzinger a couple of weeks ago at the tramway, and he had so many interesting things to say about uh, neuroscientific developments and the effect that they have on us as people. But one of the things he said is that as well as being kind of hardwired to be more optimistic about our lives, and I think that's something that Mm. I talked about earlier, that we're also hardwired, we're living in a constant state of delusion that we're actually better than we are. And he referred to a specific um, bit of data or, or a specific statistic that academics, people working in academia, generally think they're in the top 96% um, of most intelligent people in the world, but everyone thinks that. It's quite, know, it's quite strange, though, because actually I would say the opposite, that I, although this could be the trap and it's like a double bluff, I spend a lot of time really thinking about, like, how I'm so much less than other people and kind of how much more inferior I am. But I don't think you do, Oliver, because the other th- I think it does relate to artists, and I think that artists kind of... They flitter between these two extremes of thinking they're amazing and thinking they're terrible. And I think that that's why it becomes quite a difficult um, job to have or a different difficult thing to decide to do because you're continually bouncing between these poles of being really sort of self-confident and really, really feeling inadequate. And... Um, 
a lot of artists, and this relates to something that somebody told me, uh, another artist, Abigail Reynolds, I remember it was something that she said probably about six or seven years ago, st- still sticks in my head, it's that every artist, you know, art can be anything, um, but every artist makes the art that represents what they think art should be. So every artist strives to make what they consider to be the best art that could exist. Yeah, of course. Yeah, but you say, of course, so therefore, because everybody strives to do that and every artist is doing something slightly different, that therefore every artist thinks that what they're doing is the best and better than anybody else. Well, yeah, else. that is true, but I was, I was thinking beyond just the focus on career. I was sort of thinking, like, in general life, I probably spend quite a lot of time feeling like as if I'm not really living, the, like, making the best life choices that I possibly could, especially recently I've been thinking about, like changing a lot of the ways that I'm living my life and like in that's good to uh, to have that option but um but one of those life choices which I'm really angry about is the fact that you turn you stood that guy up you were meant to be going on a date with that guy and you totally stood him out and I tell you why it's because well it's because of this love shyness thing that you're mm, talking about possibly. but it's also because when somebody confronts you and said yeah let's do it come on then when someone calls you a bluff you run away and you've got no, to No, but I think that. it's about the situation because you can't just say because I'm looking to find love that I just have to do the first person like, or have to go on a date with the first... Like, I'm do. interested in exploring. You've got to get over the hurdle. You've got to get over the hurdle of that first date. Like, you've got to do it because that's a difficult thing. And yeah, you're not going to find the fir- you're not going to find the perfect person on, on date number one, but at least you've got a lot of that embarrassment of getting over the hurdle out of the way on somebody that you didn't necessarily care that much about. And then you can move on. Yeah, I guess so. Well, I'm working towards it and obviously there'll be constant updates. I would just like to say that on our Twitter, we are still pushing hashtag find Oliver a man. And seriously, find Oliver a man before the 14th of March. This challenge started on Valentine's, Valentine's Day, when we pre-recorded our show Obsessions, which was a Valentine's special, that's when we launched the campaign. The idea was to have one month dating challenge where Oliver had to go on a date. I would say that it was actually in competition with another person that I work with, and he's already been on one date and is going on a second date with the same person because they really got on. So it's a bit of a kick in the crotch for me. It's nice for him. There's still time, though. And Wednesday evening Five days. Wednesday, because he has to work. He doesn't have to work on Thursday. So I really think Wednesday night's the night. And (laughs) we're going to use the rest of this, the remaining two, three minutes of the show just to really promo it. But, um, yeah. I I promise. I mean, the thing is, I've said it before, that uh, I would just go on a date with anyone who's interested at the minute. And I guess, like... No, because we're nearing the end of the challenge. Like, I will have to stick to that resolve. Yeah. I'm open to it. We can update you on it next week. Oh, and also, we should probably say that next week, we're going to be doing our second live broadcast on location. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah, we're going to be broadcasting live from Buzzcut Festival uh, in Glasgow. And it will actually, funnily enough, it's actually going to be my choice of theme next week, so I'm ticking that over in my brain, but p- potentially I might have been swept off my feet by someone, and uh, hopefully it'll be a lot more of a positive theme next week. It disappeared into the sunset. Yeah. yeah. I did worry, like, about if if we got into relationships, either of us, that the Ellie and Oliver show might fall apart. Mm. Like, this is a small concern I had last night. I couldn't sleep at all last night. I was so excited about something that happened oh. to me. 
Because I had a bit of a dating challenge too. But anyway, won't dwell on that. Um, but yeah. I think it might be time for us to come to an end now we for this week. Listen, I just wanted end. to say, like, thanks for everyone to listen. And I'm sorry about our inadequacies this morning. But, I mean, luckily it's been perfect for the show, I guess. Um, so I chose a song. I was going to pick a really maudlin song because, as Ellie said, I was kind of in a bad mood this morning or for the last couple of days I felt kind of sad. But I actually thought one of the great things about recognising that in yourself is eventually you can pull yourself together. Um, and so this is by the Sugar Cubes, and it's called Fucking in Rhythm and Sorrow. And uh, this is the first time I swore on the radio, by the way, but I feel quite... Uh, it released some tension in me. Good. And, uh, yeah, let's just go for it. Have a really fun Friday.
Hey, it's Ellie here again. Um, being completely inadequate, I uh, forgot to mention that I'm going to take my role. Oliver gave, inspired me <laughs> to take my role as a radio broadcaster a bit more seriously and to do research about new music and especially people who are doing it for themselves in Glasgow, in Scotland, and beyond. So, if you'd like. Me, if you, there's a song that you think I'd like and you'd like to hear me choose it on, uh, and play it on the radio show, then please tweet me, tweet us. Tweet us both. Get in touch and I will listen. At and I will and learn Oliver. and I will become better. So, bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>